Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. Oh, how you doing, 5 p.m.? So good. How you doing online? You so good. You look great. You look great too, Andrew. But I meant those online. Yeah, it's crazy. I grew up like up the road from this church. I never thought I'd ever be preaching in this church, but God's good. That is like, it's, it's wild, but it's a privilege to be here because I love you guys. I love the North Shore. I love what God's doing through Avon Life Church, and I love Jesus, and I love his word. So I am stoked to be here. I, um, I have a, a few people that mispronounce Pastor Matt, and they go, hey, Master Pat. And I'm like, oh, you want to try that one again? <laughs> but don't call me that because that's, that's weird. Anyways, we are in a series right now called Jesus is King. I almost wanted like the Kanye album to drop in that moment, but that's fine. It's in my heart. In this series, we're talking about the kingdom of God and how it's an upside down kingdom and Jesus is the king. And so I want to walk us through, who is he? What does he do? (laughs) How is it different than we might expect? And what does that mean for us? Last week, we had Pastor Jason in the house. He's incredible. He spoke about the announcement of the kingdom. And he pointed out in Genesis 1 and 2, we get this great glimpse about what this kingdom was like. There's like, Okay, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I imagine like orange crush, like sunrises, cotton candy, sunsets. There's a point where God lets Adam name all the animals. So he's like, oh, that's Nemo, that's Dory, that's Timon and Pumbaa. That's at least what I think in my head. But it's this this beautiful image. There's rivers flowing in and out of everywhere. Fruit, abundance, good food. There's gold. But I think the most beautiful part is that there's harmony between man and God. And we can never underestimate that. Harmony between man and God and each other and with themselves. But then we see in Genesis chapter 3, the great fall, (laughs) which we all know. But if you don't, the enemy tempts Adam and Eve and that temptation has led to action where they decide, you know what? We could be like the king. Why not? We can know good and evil. Let's do it. And they unfortunately give in and they, they choose the way of self rather than submitting to the authority of the king where everything was good. This was the moment where it went bad. <laughs> and unfortunately, now we're in that destruction. The world was not supposed to look like this. (laughs) Like, why do we have brokenness, poverty, racism, broken marriages, broken relationships, death? That's because we try to do it on our own. And any time you try and be king, it all falls apart. But then Pastor Jay looked at the Gospel of Mark, and that's when Jesus rocks up, and he says, hey, that kingdom that was in the beginning, it's here again. 
It's invading earth and it's actually closer than you think. And it's good news and I'm gonna show you what it's like. And so right now the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here and it's good. Why is this kingdom upside down? Because the way God saved humanity is really upside down. Everybody was expecting like a militant warrior to come and overthrow the Roman Empire. I'm going to redeem God's people. Boom. (laughs) But instead, they got Jesus on a donkey. On a donkey's colt. (laughs) Instead, they got a king on a cross. But this king was a servant. And I love that about our Jesus. And so we're going to look at the text today that I'm going to teach out of. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 20. If you got an app, you can turn to Matthew chapter 20. Or I'll just read it for you. I'm here for you. All right, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles loaded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this moment right now. Lord, I thank you that you've called each person to be here right now, ordained by your love. Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do? As we go through your word, would you reveal who you are, a good, faithful servant king? You're so good. Pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Online, you can type amen. All right. All right, look, I used to be an actor. I'm not acting right now. I can promise you that. (laughs) But something I loved about acting was getting scripts. I absolutely loved it because you get a script and you check your lines and then you see, oh, what, what are the other lines, the other characters in this scene? And I like to pull it apart to go, what are my motivations? What's happening? Where am I? Who am I? Who are they? I don't know. Who are they? But I can tell you I've never been given a greater story than the Bible. This story is true, and it's completely transformed my life. But we're going to look at this scripture line by line. We're going to go through it. One time I was sitting across from a pastor... I was like 19, and I had lunch with this pastor, and all of a sudden, I'm about to like bite into my burger, and he's like, and like throws this giant Bible on the table. I'm like, where did that even come from? Like, ah, (laughs) 
And he's like, Matt? I'm like, yeah. He's like, the book? He's alive, man. It's alive. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> you're, okay. <laughs> I'm like here right now. <laughs> and you're here. <laughs> and so to anyone that's in this room right now, that's here or online here and has like no understanding of the Bible, doesn't realize there's a God that loves them, doesn't realize that the book is alive. <laughs> I get you. I see you. Okay. I'm here with you. But I'm also here because the book is alive. The word is alive. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It can penetrate to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow discerning of all intentions of the heart and no one is hidden from its sight. When the word goes out, it never returns void. It always accomplishes its purpose. That's one of love, truth, and grace. That is our king who is alive. And his name is Jesus. So let's go to the first verse. Verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. You can tell they really wanted this request to be granted because they sent in mom. Some of you really understand that. June, June can't really, she just needs both of us, so none of that's happening yet. But not only that, James and John, these two brothers, left dad in a boat a few chapters earlier. Pastor Jay mentioned that. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. James and John, they were fishermen. Dad was a fisherman. All of a sudden, Jesus walks up and says, hey, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What do James and John do? Drop the nets and follow Jesus. But the scripture says they leave dad in the boat. So dad's not being sent in. <laughs> this was a significant moment, though. This wasn't just leaving their job, leaving family, which is hard enough. <laughs> this was a completely new identity. And so it is with us. Those that follow him must put on a new identity, a kingdom identity, not a worldly one. There's no version without it. Verse 21, what is it you want, Jesus says, and ten, 10 times out of 10, when Jesus asks a question, he knows the answer, which means the answer is not for him. It's actually to reveal something in us. So as you read scripture, look at when God asks questions. He knows the answer. He's God. <laughs> so he wants to reveal the motive of the heart, usually. So what was this request? That they may sit one on your right, that's your right, and the other on your left in your kingdom. You could say this request was quite bold, but bold and ignorant. Not mom, not at all. This is directed to the hearts of where the true request comes from, that of James and John. And church, we shouldn't hide behind people, but we can't when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. There's nobody else he'd rather speak to about your desires, your wants, your hurts and pains that are so real than you. Which is why when Jesus responds, it's not to mom. 
is to James and John. And this request was one that was all about position, title, prominence. Like they've taken their understanding of the world and they've applied it to the kingdom of God. And we get this right. Like, of course, they wanted the best seats in the house next to Jesus. We all want the best seats. We all want a little bit of authority, more Instagram followers. Thank you. (laughs) More influence. Because then we can be king. We can control the narrative. We have the authority. We get to be king. We're all Simba in Lion King. Actually, I Googled the lyrics of that. It's like, I just can't wait to be king. And he's just talking about how he wants to just like not do anything and lord it over people. And I'm like, June's not going to watch Lion King. I've decided it. <laughs> nope, no Disney in our house. Just kidding. I love Disney. All right. We see this happen in Genesis 3 with the fall. The, the enemy's temptation is you can be king. And they take it. This isn't our first rodeo. <laughs> And I love Jesus' response. Verse 22. You don't know what you're asking. But again, I imagine like a slight smile when he says it. I feel like he's like, boys, you don't know what you're asking. Matthew Henry, he's a theologian. I was reading his commentary. I'm going to read what he says because I think it's really clear. He says, the disciples still expected a temporal kingdom with worldly position and power, when Christ had so often told them of sufferings and self-denial. They asked not for employment in his kingdom, but for honor only. And no place would serve them in this imaginary kingdom, but the highest next to Christ and above everybody else. The thing is we receive position and prominence in the kingdom of God a completely different way. And Jesus begins to unpack this, but he says, hey, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? They're like, we can. He's like, yep, you will drink of the cup I'm going to (laughs) drink. It's actually one of suffering. Nowhere did Jesus say, hey, when you follow me, it's going to be easy. No, he says, hey, in this life, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome. And I love God because he's so good. He doesn't lie. He says, hey, this is the truth. There's going to be some tough times, which we all know we go through. But then there's grace. I've overcome the world. What I love about God is that he doesn't waste anything, like not one thing. He doesn't waste a single tear, a single moment of your suffering. The good news is you're suffering with Jesus is never in vain. It's never empty. Romans chapter five, verse three says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God doesn't waste a thing. But he's teaching them, hey, no, you don't know what you're asking. It's different. It's upside down. And as Christians, we've been invited to a completely new way of life. Right? Jesus didn't just save us. He modeled what it was to be a human. 
And that's the call he gives each of us as Christian. But he empowers us with his Holy Spirit so that it's not on our own strength and with our own motivations. First John chapter two, verse six says it very clearly. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. But he gives us his Holy Spirit to do that. Let's go back to the scripture. When the 10 heard this conversation, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And of course they were. They're standing over here all hanging out and they're looking at Jesus and James and John and all of a sudden they're like, are you kidding me? Did you hear what they just said? They're indignant. They're like super upset. Not because of what they said, but because they didn't think of it first. I wish I said that. I wish I did that. (laughs) yeah I'm going to invite up the worship team here's where I really want to hone in on some detail here we have this moment there's a big kerfuffle the ten are really upset about the conversation that just happened verse 25 it says Jesus called them together Little nugget, Jesus called them together because that's what Jesus does. He calls us together. There's great tenderness here and familiarity with who he's speaking to. He does not in anger because of their misunderstanding say, get out. Instead, he calls them in love and says, hey, come into my presence so you can learn. This will be my posture And this will be our posture as a church that whoever would want to come here and just learn from the king, 100%, they can be here. And let this be an encouragement that no matter how far off we are in our understanding or how emotional we are in our response, Jesus calls us together and he wants to teach us like a good father would, a son or daughter. How good is God that he takes our corrupt motivations, our misunderstandings, and just says, hey, come learn from me. Because what Jesus had to say in this moment didn't just concern the two, but the 10 as well. So he says, come here. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials, their great ones, exercise authority over them. We know exactly what this is. We've all had a boss that's done it. We've had friends that have done it. We might have had parents that have done it, exes that have done it. But Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Imagine that. What do you want to be when you grow up, little Johnny? A servant. (laughs) What kind of kingdom is this? Not so with you, church. There's a writer named Max Licato. He wrote this book on grace. And he describes this moment that answers the question, what kind of king is Jesus? And it's from the Bible. I'm going to read it. Can I encourage you, lean in and hear who our king is right now. 
There's an event that happens the night before Jesus' death. He and his followers had gathered in the upper room for Passover. And John begins with a very lofty statement. He says, Jesus knew that the Father gave him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew who he was and why he was here. Who was he? He's God's son. Why was he here? To serve the Father in saving humanity. He knew his identity and his authority, which was all of it. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel he had around him. Jesus, the king, CEO, sovereign of the seas, head coach, washed feet and feet stink. They're ugly. They have weird things growing in between the toes. It's just nasty. (laughs) But that's the point. Stay with me. That's the point. (laughs) He washes those parts of his disciples and he washes those parts of you and me. Makes them clean. (laughs) Removes the pain. Knowing he came from God. Knowing he was going to God. Knowing he could arch his eyebrow clear his throat and every angel in the entire universe would stand at attention that's authority that's the king and he exchanged his robe for the servant's wrap lowered himself to knee level and began to rub away the grime and the grit from the journey that's the lowliest thing you could do and Jesus does that he examples it for us and he washed first and he says you wash second our king was a servant and if he was then we are too because being a servant is it's not what you do it's who you are it's part of the kingdom identity it's not just a checklist it's a posture of life why is this important because whatever capacity whatever responsibility, whatever relationship is represented in this room, my question to you is, are you being a servant? Are you revealing the kingdom of God in your marriage, in your friendships, in your community, in your church? Do you want a great marriage? Of course you do. Do you want great friendships? Yeah, 100%. Great community? Yeah, great church? Come on then we're called to serve. I mean, imagine walking into a coffee shop on the North Shore and going, I'm going to serve this barista. I'm going to serve this cashier. I'm going to make this entire interaction about them. And you go in and you do that. Now, I don't want this just to be about doing good works, though that's important. The real truth here is that you go in and you represent Jesus. No one else is going into a coffee shop and thinking that. Amanda and I used to um, lead a life group, represent. And for the first year, 
basically everyone in our group didn't speak English. And it was awesome. It was honestly awesome. And this one girl calls us the night of life group and says, hey, would it be okay if my family comes? I said, of course it is. Yeah, who, how, okay, who's your family? Mom, dad, my brother, and my sister. Cool, they're visiting from China. I was like, 100%, come. So jump cut, it's 7 p.m. They rock up. I'm cutting a rotisserie chicken. Miss Ting walks up right to me. And we just exchange like, hello, hi. And then she looks at me and she goes, mm-mm. I'm like, what, what am, oh, okay. She takes a knife from my hand, puts it on the counter, and then pushes me out of the way and rips apart that chicken. And she teaches me how to actually cut a chicken. You rip it apart with your hands. And I've never seen so much chicken come from a Safeway chicken. It looked like a Whole Foods chicken. And so we're, um, the night's about to wrap up and I'm sitting down at the table and I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then the daughter says, excuse me, Matt. I said, yes. My father would like to ask you a question. I said, oh, Mr. Ting, 100%. Yes, Mr. Ting. He says, where? I'm like, yeah. Where does this love come from? I'm like, oh, Mr. Ting. <laughs> this love comes from Jesus. Why? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you, Mr. Ting. And we got to talk about the gospel. That's what sets you apart, Christian. When you're doing good works, it is to glorify the Father. It is to have you answer why you're doing this. Where does this come from? From Jesus. That comes from you operating out of a kingdom identity, not a worldly identity. God works through his church, the body, to bring hope and encouragement to a really broken, dysfunctional world. And he's called you, Avon Life Church, North Shore, those online, to make a contribution with your life. There's a great quote, and it says, what matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of it. Not how long you lived, but how you lived. Are you generous with your life? Are you operating out of that kingdom identity? Or are we so wrapped up in the positions we want? Are we so wrapped up in me that we forget who we've been called to be, like our king, a servant. Verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom? That's a debt that needs to be paid for somebody's freedom the many that's you and that's me that's the North Shore it's Squamish it's Surrey everybody because the cup he drank imagine the size of an ocean <laughs> he served And we're going to go back into worship. And in case 
you don't know that freedom or you're ready for that freedom, I'm gonna give you an opportunity just to respond to that because what Jesus is saying right here, right now is I did not come to be served but to serve and give my life as a ransom for you. Take away many, put your name there. You know this love, take away your name, put the people you love most. That's who your king, our king loves and laid down his life for. Why don't you stand and we'll worship and reflect on his goodness. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.